Welcome, friends, people for peace, pods of consciousness, planetary citizens, wherever you happen to be today listening to Glocal News in Social Artistry here on KOPN.org, 89.5 on your FM dial. Uh, I'm the host, uh, Dick Dalton, and each week we have the pleasure of talking to someone who's building a more humane world from the inside out. And uh, this week I have a, a kind of a special opportunity because I have watched this woman do just that for, I think, 40 years now. My sister-in-law, Patsy Ponder Dalton. Hey, Patsy. So glad to have you with us. Hi, Dick. It's good to see you. This will be fun. <laughs> yes. We, we we know a good bit about each other. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, you're not a native Colombian. Uh, you are transplanted, I understand. Actually, you were born close to where my wife was born down. You were in Donovan, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. My whole family, my father's side, uh, was down at Donovan. A lot of them still are. My mother was from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So after the war, they got married and they had only known each other at that time for five weeks. So mother came back to South Missouri and uh, and then it was an adventure. Did I see correctly that you graduated from Kirksville High School? Oh yeah. Uh, my father worked for the Department of Conservation hmm. uh, in Missouri. And he wanted to get us transferred up there to Kirksville, where there was, at that time, Northeast Missouri State University. Mm-hmm. So there were four of us girls, daughters, and then mother, and she needed to finish her college degree. So we went up there and we ended up having nine family members who graduated from what is now Truman State University. Wow. Yeah. I was on the name change commission for that. And that was quite an event, <laughs> changing that name. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was confusing. You know, you'd hear about Maryville, you'd hear about Kirksville and the, and the directional names on those universities mm-hmm. uh, made it hard for people to know which was which. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't meet you until 40 years ago. I, I think it was 82, possibly. You were dating yeah, my we, brother. David. Well, we got married in 1984, and we had actually only known each other at that point for, I think it was five months. Oh, okay. <laughs> we got married. All right. And, um, and we just hit it off from the very beginning, and it was just perfect. Perfect. I, yeah. <laughs> it has appeared to have been a perfect uh, yes. match, right? It was a, an adventure, I'd have to say. <laughs> well, you were both in Columbia at the time. He was a CPA. Uh, mm-hmm. We're talking about my brother, David Dalton, who passed away recently. And uh, we, uh, we'll we talk quite a bit about David as we go yes. along because yes. we I'd always wanted to get him on the show, but uh, he couldn't climb the stairs at uh, KOPN, mm-hmm. which is going to be solved here in just about a month. Uh, We're going to be in our new location out on Bernadette with totally accessible. And then when I started Zooming, he he has such a soft voice because uh, he lived with Parkinson's. Uh, You both lived with his Parkinson's for, what, 28 years or so. Right. Uh, From the day of diagnosis, uh, it was uh, very close to 28 years. 
And of course, at the time he was diagnosed, we didn't even know what Parkinson's was. I mean, we'd heard about it, you know, and knew there were people around who had it, but we'd never experienced it. And we didn't even have any close friends who had it, uh, had Parkinson's. He was only 44 years old. Yeah, uh-huh. he was a pretty young one. Uh, they call that young onset. And everyone always thinks of uh, Michael J. Fox. And I think he got his when he was about 29. But if it's young onset, that's usually, you know, somewhere in the 40s or something like that. Mm -hmm. And so it's it's uh, was a tough thing to have happen at that young age. Mm -hmm. Well, you were weren't you the Boone Hospital marketing person uh, back when you all got married? Yeah. At the time, I was the marketing director at Boone Hospital and I had been. Uh, I guess I was there a total of nine years, and it was really exciting. It, I love uh, working in healthcare, even though I was just doing marketing. It was exciting, you know. You think of all the things that happen, like tornadoes around you, and you have people come in, and you know uh, the excitement of new buildings and new procedures to care for people. So it was a pretty good field or career. Mm-hmm. And I met David at. Do you remember where Katie Station was downtown? Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. The the actual Katie Station. Oh, right. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I met him one night with a bunch of my friends. And um, so when I came back to the office on Monday, I told my assistant, okay, now I've met this guy named David Dalton, and he's really cool. <laughs> but we got to figure out, if he doesn't call me by Tuesday, oh. then we've got to call him and say something like, hey, we want you to join the Chamber of Commerce or something, because we were always like, having membership drives. And uh, he called before the deadline. Okay, David. <laughs> he always accused me of uh, having the staff on phones listening to our conversation. <laughs> That's, well, he was a CPA, right? At the time. Yes, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, had his own business, uh Dalton Marbury. Uh, uh-huh. Dalton and Marbury, CPA. Yeah. yeah. And very uh, well thought of uh, in his own right. As, oh, yes. He was mm-hmm. He was involved in things that people would be amazed if they knew some of the things he was involved in behind the scenes where they were trying to find evidences of, uh, you know, uh, people not using money properly. Oh. Um, and his former partner uh, is Jim Marbury, and he's still around. Oh, yeah. I always considered them more like brothers than partners. (laughs) Uh, So uh, we have Jim in in our lives still. Sure. Well, he's still our uh, tax accountant. Yeah. Uh So uh, we see him at least yearly. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. So uh, when did you get involved in politics? Because, I mean, you or were you always uh, because you you were the Boone County, what, Southern Commissioner or something yeah, like that? Yeah, uh-huh. Boone County, Southern Commissioner. And I was involved in politics always. My mom always enjoyed it. My dad always knew all the politicians because he worked with law enforcement people in counties. So I don't know. I just, I started out with the League of Women Voters in Kirksville, Missouri. Oh. And boy, that was a sharp group of people. Mm-hmm. And then when I came down to Columbia... I was working full time, so I didn't get to do quite as much with the league, but I have always admired them because they educate you so thoroughly on issues. Mm -hmm. And of course, you don't take a stance as far as parties, 
but the issues are very important. Mm -hmm. So uh, that had my interest anyway. Mm -hmm. Then I, let me think what happened. I had been in healthcare at uh, Boone Hospital for nine years. Then I moved over to University Hospital and Clinics. Mm -hmm. And there, that was the name then. And um, there I worked for about three and a half years and uh, did a lot of exciting things there too. Then um, I decided to start a little uh, agency of my own, a marketing agency. And I had only been doing it for about five months. And I had a visit from, uh, well, let's see, Roger Wilson. Everybody remembers him. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and Joe Mosley. I talked Joe. to Don Stamper. And they were saying, you know, you'd make a good county commissioner. And I said, oh my gosh, I can't believe you're even saying that, <laughs> you know, but it did intrigue me. And uh, so I ran and ran against a man down in Ashland, Missouri. And so we were off and running. And it was well, you, you had some good supporters and you won. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah. yeah I really worked hard. Uh, all people do usually who run for office. It takes a lot more behind the scenes work than you'd ever think. Mm -hmm. David was getting really tired of uh, chicken dinners and, <laughs> you know, <laughs> going out for these things because he had never been outside, you know, with people outside of Columbia, mostly as far as Boone County. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we got to know people in the Southern district. A lot of them I already knew uh, in one way or the other. But uh, there, it is interesting because you start thinking you're just Columbia. Well, not when you're a county officer, mm -hmm. you're a Boone County officer. Mm -hmm. And that, it just about touches every part of people's lives because it's, people used to be just thinking of county commissioners as road commissioners. Correct. But when you get, you know, you get into the big uh, counties like Columbia or Boone County, it's uh, much more than that, much more. Um, and uh, I ran... Uh, with a slogan of go first class with Dalton. And the reason I did that is because we were at that time becoming a first class county. Uh -huh. So, you know, there was a lot of change going along with that. I knew Wendy Noren, who was just excellent um, at um, teaching other people, but she knew all the statutes, all the state regulations. Mm -hmm. Such a smart woman. What is first class? Uh, entail. I mean, what, what change well, did that make for Boone County? Well, I guess we're still first class. Yeah, we are. I didn't notice really a big change, but I do know that some of them are not first class counties, the mm -hmm. very small ones. In fact, uh, Benton, or Benton County, I think it's a little higher than, than uh, you know, some of them. But some counties are just not populated that much. Oh. And um, some of them the, it, it, there are a whole bunch of things that make up the reason for why you'd be first class. Okay. But, yeah, well, it was years ago. I think that was 1990 or so. Mm -hmm. So we're uh, Boone County, first class county uh, in Missouri. And uh, you were commissioner for a couple of terms or one or? Well, I actually, I think I campaigned longer than I was in office. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I campaigned really hard for uh, about 14 months, and then I got, well, I was actually longer in office, but then I was elected in uh, late 1990, and that was when I found out I had skin cancer. Mm. And while most people would not think of skin cancer as 
you know, it's not that dramatic usually, but wouldn't you know, I had to have the dramatic kind. Mm. And by the time we had removed the cancer on my face, Mm -hmm. I had lost half of my nose and over into my cheek and we had to find skin and try to replace it. And we tried several different things and finally came up with a method that worked. Wow. Uh, but it took for my whole first year, I was mostly wearing bandages because mm-hmm. every weekend I'd go in and have a little, like every Friday, mm-hmm. have some sort of tweaking kind of surgeries. Mm-hmm. And it took 13 surgeries to finally get it all fixed. So you had a, a lot of oncology docs, but you had uh, plastic surgeons, I guess, then too. Yeah, at that time you dealt with both the uh, the um, dermatologist, who in that case was the one who removed the uh, skin cancer, and then the uh, plastic surgeon picked up from there. Mm-hmm. I met an old uh, plastic surgeon down at the lake one time who had invented a lot of surgical techniques uh, after well during world war ii and um he always argued that you know you ought to only go with plastic surgeons (laughs) (laughs) depends on who you're talking to (laughs) well uh just for the listening audience they did a great job thank you uh, (laughs) in preserving the beauty of Patsy Ponder Dalton. <laughs> you know, very few people would even notice that you've had uh, such a dramatic or traumatic yeah. series of surgeries and so on. Yeah, I always tell them I just stay active. So I talk a lot and and <laughs> motion a lot. You know, move around. <laughs> My face is in constant movement. Well, you do a lot. But speaking <laughs> of which, when did your TV show come along? in this oh, sequence of events. Yeah. Um, do you remember Tom Gray? He was the head of KOMU oh, yeah. TV for so long, and he was a good friend of ours. Is and, this uh, Susan? Uh, yeah, Susan yeah. Gray's husband. Yeah, Susan Stalkup uh, from uh-huh. Whitman Stalkup. High School. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. She has a lot of history herself. Yes. And uh, so I think I had just finished, I'm trying to think what had happened. Yes, I finished working at the bank, and we didn't hear about the bank. Oh, so yeah. A little well, bank in between. That kind of that and the sh- and the television show went together because oh, I did okay. both for uh, three years or so. Anyway, I uh, got a call from Tom and he said that KOMU was thinking about creating a business show. Mm-hmm. And would I be interested in hosting it? And I said, of course I would. <laughs> and I didn't even think to ask, you know, is there money involved? Do I salary? <laughs> How much time does it take? Oh, I just said, of course, I would like to do that because um, I had been doing a lot of public speaking anyway, and I wasn't too shy about it. And um, it was just really an important thing to have a show featuring business. Local business, uh, yeah. Oh, yes. In yeah. fact, I just came from a... Um, session with a rock climbing uh you know rock wall climbing mm-hmm. over there where the old gerbs is on uh, on naifong mm-hmm. and i went over there it was just like the days when i was doing the show hmm. uh, we'd go over there and listen to them and we'd bring on cameras and you know do video of everything that was going on that would have been a great one to do on our show because demonstrations like uh showing children even learning how to uh, do a uh, rock wall climbing. That would have been fantastic. Mm-hmm. And the name of your show was? 
Uh, Missouri business account. It's, it's was the letters MBA, you know, like all right. mm-hmm. masters in business mm-hmm. administration. Mm-hmm. So that was a play on that. But Missouri business account got to be fairly popular and it started out being in the morning at 1030 and in the evening at 1030 uh, on Sunday mornings and evenings. And uh, then over the years, we dropped back. We did it for about six and a half years. And so finally, we just did it in the evenings because it was the same show both Mm -hmm. times. Mm -hmm. And uh, we taped on Thursday afternoons. And we had, um, oh, every time there'd be somebody kind of famous come to Columbia or someone who held a position that was very interesting, you know, like once we had Norm Stewart. And he was a busy man, but we got him. <laughs> and he came out and, and was interviewed. Mm-hmm. And um, then we'd just go about any place, went down to the lake, um, went out to little towns that were doing um, some sort of special projects or some, you know, something that was business related. Yeah, yeah. And we had business leaders come into the studio. And then sometimes we'd go on site. I remember once I had broken my ankle and we were doing an interview with the owner of the skating rink out on the business loop. (laughs) And so I had to hobble out there with these crutches and get myself in a position and then have somebody stand, you know, kind of like where they would hide my uh, cast. And um, I was scared to death of falling. But it went well. It was really good. So is this kids swarming the... around, you know. <laughs> is this the old roller rink that yeah. was mm-hmm. there forever that I skated mm-hmm. at as a... I think so. It would have been where yeah. you could go. Uh, yeah. It's on the business loop, or it was. Yeah. And uh, now uh, Habitat for Humanity is in that vicinity. Oh, okay. I can't remember which part of you know, the building was what, but mm-hmm. anyway, uh, yeah. they were in that same neighborhood. So the Missouri business account. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it started uh, and it just grew in popularity. And then, of course, what got it uh, eventually was the cost of producing a local show. Mm. Uh, you know, it was they already had. And of course, it was very popular, the sports show with Chris Gervino. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that one took my spot. And it actually, it worked out well because. At the time, David and I were moving to the Lake of the Ozarks uh, because he had had to take um, disability with his Parkinson's. Mm -hmm. And he thought and thought about it. And he decided, well, what he'd really like to do, and it was about time we just did something we really wanted to do. Mm -hmm. um, Then he decided he wanted to go down to the lake and golf (laughs) because he loved golf. He loved it like. I've never seen anybody love it as much, except, of course, I guess the pros. Um, and so we lived down there and he golfed um, pretty much three, four times a week. Mm-hmm. And um, so that worked out really well. So by that time, I was still coming back and forth some. But then uh, the uh, Chris's show came on instead of ours. Well, let me uh, take a moment here to uh, reintroduce you, Patsy Ponder-Dalton, my sister-in-law, and uh, say hi, folks, for listening today to Glocal News and Social Artistry on your favorite community radio station, kopn.org. 
And if you're tuning in to the dial, it's 89.5. My my last guest uh, was Charlie Blackmore, and he said, Dick, how come you're not saying 89.5? 89.5 FM. <laughs> he used to be a programmer here. <laughs> and so now uh, I'm not going to leave out our 89.5 FM. Uh, where Because, you know, I listen to KOPN on the radio mostly. I uh, some people, though, listen on their computer, or streaming. Uh, uh, folks uh, will go to podcasts because all of my shows are podcasted as well as several others uh, that are done here. And uh, you can I see the last 25 shows just going to kopn.org and going to the menu and clicking programs and drop down and you see, oh, my goodness, look at all the programs we have. Um anything to satisfy some interest of yours, uh, whether it's uh, news or uh, talk or music uh, of the world, we've got it. So, folks, thanks for supporting us. We appreciate it. This is a mostly volunteer-run, operated uh, radio station, and we're going to be 50 years old next year, one of the oldest in the nation uh, that's hung in there. So thanks for helping us hang in there. So back to you, Patsy Ponder Dalton. Uh, you went to the lake after David was diagnosed with Parkinson's. This is my brother, David Dalton. And he wanted to play golf. So you're letting us know right here that just because you get diagnosed with Parkinson's, you don't just sit down and do nothing. No. You know, we never did that. Yeah. And uh, and he was not one who ever did that. Yeah. So uh, he won. He stayed active from the date he was diagnosed, um, which would have been 28 years ago, to uh, the the day of his death. He was still active. Yeah. Uh, not well, of course he, the same way, but you know. Right. He was playing tennis, wasn't he? A lot or racquetball oh, or yeah. something back 28 yeah. years ago. He played racquetball and he played it com so competitively that he went around the state playing other people mm -hmm. and he loved the competition, loved it. Mm -hmm. uh, then he played uh, tennis and one of his tennis uh, partners was Joe Mockins. Mm -hmm. And of course, at that time he was younger and Joe and the other guys were older and uh, they had a good old time, but he, he loved tennis. Mm -hmm. uh, and now of course, he, if he had been able to play, um, what's the one now that's so popular? Um, pickleball. Anyway, pickleball, yes. Yeah. He would have really loved that. <laughs> it's a little slower moving, you know, uh -huh. and not bad. But anyway, he would have loved it. He knew all about it, mm -hmm. but he just couldn't because of his mobility issues. Mm -hmm. So he was, yes, he enjoyed sports very much. And that was the big deal. He wanted to go down to the lake and we bought a boat. We were like anybody else, you know, they said, oh, you'll have two foot itis. And I thought, what in the world is that? Well, it means that you get a boat and you're going along and you think you're happy with it. And then pretty soon you think, oh, I just had a boat that was a little bit longer. Oh, <laughs> so you, go, you go up you know you, so, two foot longer <laughs> yeah we mostly got used boats but um there was a lot of selection down there <laughs> well his golf game over there at uh at, at that one golf course uh, that 
I had the pleasure of uh, going down and playing with him at a couple of reunions. Uh, didn't he win some competitions? Yeah. yeah. I mean, this uh, is a guy with, uh, you know, yeah, a progressive yeah. disease, and he's top flight. Yeah, he just, he won, uh, he was club champion of uh, three different years and we have two of the plaques and we couldn't find the other one i think it's up in the attic in a mm. separate tub but uh oh gosh yes he loved that and uh so we had those plaques uh prominently displayed most of the time in our home mm -hmm. and at his funeral i made sure that they were displayed too because i knew people would get a kick out of seeing yeah. them right. <laughs> Well, and you all completely remodeled uh, an old uh, two-story house, or actually two stories in a basement house, and uh, you know, painting and landscaping yeah. and everything, porch added. And mm -hmm. So uh, you weren't you weren't idle there, and he's uh... no, no. no, he uh, he was part of that. I was really into the decorating and all that. But it was a house that had been built by a, a professional. We think it was like a psychologist or someone who saw patients there. Oh. And, uh, and it was three floors and it was just a cool house, a lot of stone and all. And it was right where you went into Six Mile Cove. So you got to see lots of boats. We loved being in the middle of everything at the lake. <laughs> but one day we came home from church and the bolt had broken on one of the lifts and the the little runabout boat we had mm -hmm. was sitting at an angle and david looked out there and he said that's it we got to get off the main cove oh. so oh. we went to a place where it was a little more uh, hidden back in the back of a cove mm -hmm. but uh, that's a big deal down at the lake is just the fact that you have to really be so careful because that water gets rough on the oh. week really rough mm -hmm. so uh is this the time that you both started the Parkinson support group at the lake? Yeah. Uh huh. I got to tell you, there's there are so many so many things you can talk about with Parkinson's. But mm -hmm. one of the things was uh, David wanted to have DBS, deep brain stimulation oh. uh, surgery, mm -hmm. and he wanted to do it uh, where what it is is they drop electrodes on two both sides of your brain. Uh, you know, through the skull into the brain. Mm -hmm. And then they, the wires come out of the top of your head and down behind your ears and they're implant, they're down to a little uh, battery packs that are implanted in your uh, chest. Mm -hmm. You can have one or two battery packs these days. So um, he wanted to do that. And um, they weren't too keen on that because at that time, physicians, that was the early days. This was like, 2000 something and um they wanted you to wait and then david mm -hmm. just insisted that we go ahead and and uh, have that surgery and we were fortunate that a surgeon who had not been here for very long but stayed about a year did that surgery he'd done a lot of them mm -hmm. and uh so that made david uh it gave him a lot more years of activity uh -huh. Because it faked the the brain into thinking it was getting dopamine, one of the main drugs for Parkinson's for most people is uh, Cinemet, and this made it possible for David to have to take fewer Cinemet pills, and still be active. It was just a wonderful procedure, uh, oh, wonderful. Okay. 
So uh, when we did that, when he had his uh, DBS installed, one day he said, I think we should start a Parkinson's support group down here at the lake. <laughs> so I said, okay, that sounds okay. I've got, you know, I, I've got time and I've done this kind of thing before. And so uh, we got some names from people we knew who had Parkinson's and we got those out of the St. Louis uh, data bank. And um, so we started the group and it's still going after 17 years. Mm -hmm. um, I drive down now by myself and um, usually I found a friend that will go with me somehow. And I go down and set up our little dog and pony show mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, at Lake Ozark Christian Church. It's the church we belong to. Mm -hmm. And uh, they are so civic minded that they allow us to do that. Mm -hmm. And here in Columbia, we have uh, Broadway Christian Church and they allow us to meet there. And it's a very, very fine setup, too. It's just, you know, like it's great for people with Parkinson's because you can park on a level surface, walk right in, electric doors, the whole bit, you know. So we started it and we've kept it going at the lake for 17 years. And then we came up here when we moved back uh, to Columbia and we um, began leading the group that had been established here, but it wasn't a very large group. So now the group up here in Columbia uh, has about 300 300 to 350 people on the mailing list each month. And then uh, we were before COVID, we were getting 80 to 115. That was the range. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, then after COVID, you know, well, we had to do 22 months of Zooms. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, we all learned how to do Zooms. <laughs> <laughs> and so once we did that, why uh, we were able to still stay in touch and keep the group going. And in the last three months, we've been able to start meeting in person again. And it's just been a joy to see each other. Right. Well, you were at Lenore with that for several years. Yeah, actually. yeah, it was wonderful. Uh, Lenore had been the site for the smaller group. And uh, so we started doing with that group, what we had done with the lake group, which was find people around who had Parkinson's and invite mm -hmm. them to come to the meetings. And, mm -hmm. um, and we have a pair somewhat parallel a procedure each month. Mm -hmm. And uh, in fact, I just got through writing the flyer for the, um, the lake of the Ozarks group. And uh, in it, I mentioned that we're going to have a special speaker next month in the Columbia group. And we're going to make sure that the both groups can also listen by Zoom, by watching it in Zoom. So one of the things you do is to create a flyer each month to send yeah. out to all of your folks. Yeah, and we have we work with a printer. Becky is just fantastic. Um, she's out there at uh, Direct Printing. And she's fantastic in that she's very clever and she has great ideas for graphics. And it's, it, it just makes you smile when you look at it. <laughs> so, uh, and it keeps us all in touch. And so we do that every month and that's, and we live off of donations mm -hmm. and uh, the donations are what pays for the printing. Mm -hmm. Group up here being larger, it takes a bit more to get it all set up. But when you come into a meeting, there are, there's an exercise circle, there's a, a speech therapy group. 
There's a side topic table. You get your name tags. You get free literature. You get refreshments. <laughs> so it's it's a social event as well as an educational event. Mm -hmm. And all of those little pieces take volunteers when you can get the volunteer help. And oh yeah, mm -hmm. uh, so it becomes a, a community. You bet it does. It, it's the, the people who have Parkinson's reach out so willingly to help each other. Mm -hmm. And so they make it very, very welcoming. And I would encourage anyone who hears this conversation today mm -hmm. to get in touch with me. Call me at 573-356-6036 and tell me if they have Parkinson's, if they suspect they do, uh, of course, we'd say go to a physician, you know, go to your primary care and then get a referral to a neurologist. And uh, if you're working with a neurologist, you might check to see that they are movement disorder specialist, because those are people who've gotten more training, even than a neurologist. And it's important to go, I feel it's important to go to the highest level you can go. Mm -hmm for your care because it's your life and you want to know what's ahead mm -hmm. and are you doing everything you can do and should you be referred to physical therapists speech therapists we have several programs for people we were just talking about that for this this flyer we have one called the big program and that's to help you with physical therapy and then we have speech therapy which is uh, lsvt loud and that and the big program are related I mean, there's just, we have rock steady boxing in this community. Hmm. Uh, we just what, have what is, What's the purpose of boxing? Well, it's a form of exercise, of course. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's not the kind where you box and hit somebody in the head. That's not the purpose. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Cleared that up right away. Yeah. Okay. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, but it gives you, you know, you can hit a bag and you can. Mm -hmm exercise well and you can uh, learn as you go along there's always a very trained instructor mm -hmm. we are so fortunate uh, here in Colombia that we have so many resources mm -hmm. um, just the fact that you if you have a speech problem and, and mostly with Parkinson's you will eventually have a swallowing problem or a, a really really soft voice makes it hard for people to hear you and you want to be, you know, confident and sound confident. And so um, there are especially trained people who do that for Parkinson's patients. Mm -hmm. um, and then even exercise like pickleball for Parkinson's. There's a group here in town that started that. It's three guys that have Parkinson's. Mm -hmm. And um, they are graciously sharing their knowledge with others. And so it gets people out there and I know I went out once <laughs> I thought, man, this made me feel really young, <laughs> you know, because I was, you know, not always hitting the ball, but I chased it. <laughs> well, in pickleball, you don't have to chase it as far. No, except it was a windy day and those little wiffle ball things blow in the wind. <laughs> you know, when I was uh, teaching at, at Lincoln University, I saw pickleball come in as a, uh, thing in in PE classes and I thought what is that I mean you know a little pick pickleball huh <laughs> but um, it has become a phenomenon and uh... well you have two brothers who excel in pickleball uh, <laughs> Donnie and Bob both play pretty often okay so um, so they were part of the trend you mm -hmm. know mm -hmm. maybe I uh, need to get out more <laughs> 
You know, I, I was never quite as competitive, I think, as uh, both of those guys were. And, yeah. Mm -hmm. Both of those mm -hmm. brothers. Yeah. Or all three brothers in, in the Yeah, David was pretty competitive. <laughs> yeah, pretty competitive. Uh, so, uh, as I recall, just kind of backtracking a tad, uh, David was walking somewhere downtown in Columbia and caught his toe on a curb, is the story I heard. Mm -hmm. And it was sort of like, why did that happen? Mm -hmm. Do you recall, was that sort of the f first clue or was it his handwriting started getting small? Well, you're, you're hitting on three things and all of them do, uh, once you start putting things together, you see Parkinson's. Uh, and a couple of them were downtown. Uh, but one was his secretary, Maggie Kirby. Mm -hmm. uh, she used to, of course, have to go through all these papers and type up things for him and everything. And one day she walked in and she said, David, if your handwriting gets any smaller, I'm not going to be able to see it. Uh -huh. and that was one thing that kind of began to bother us. And then another thing was we went down, he was getting ready for some special event and he wanted to get a sport coat, new mm -hmm. sport coat. So he went to Dale, um, Puckett, oh, right. Mm -hmm. And he was doing the measuring and he said, David, you've got one shoulder that's quite a bit lower than the other shoulder. I think you need to go to your doctor and have that checked out. Mm -hmm. And so we did go to the doctor and she said, yes, I'm concerned about several things too. And so she moved him on over to a uh, physician who was a neurologist and then later a movement disorder specialist. Mm -hmm. And so the typical way that I've seen, of course, I've been going to doctor appointments with him for all these many years. And mm -hmm. uh, even the very first one, 28 years ago, the doctor said, I want to see you walk down the hall. And so they just stand there and they watch his walk. And there, there are things they can look for. One is the way your arms swing or um, do you shuffle? I mean, that uh, shuffling isn't a very medical term, but that's what a lot of people with Parkinson's do. Mm -hmm. uh, they just don't lift their feet quite as much. Then the shuffling then can sometimes threaten balance. Balance becomes a big issue. And then that causes lots of falls. Mm -hmm. They don't have the ability to um, save themselves quite like they would have if they'd been, uh, you know, unaffected by a disease. Mm -hmm. So, there are a lot of things that I was just reading this book because we're um, getting ready to do a new series down at the lake called Frequently Asked Questions. And it's a book that we use as a discussion guide. And there are just so many things with Parkinson's that, mm -hmm. and it affects so many things. Um, now there's most certainly found to be a, a relationship between the gut or the stomach mm -hmm and Parkinson's. That's often the way it starts or is found. And David had uh, Crohn's disease in addition to Parkinson's. So For there are just so, so many things like that. Yeah. And possibly had that uh, years before and was not diagnosed, uh -huh. as I recall. You know, him saying. Yeah. When we have our Parkinson's coffees, we just have some informal coffees. Mm -hmm. And when we do, we go around the circle and we say, uh, what 
do you, you know, what is your name? What, who is your doctor? How long have you had Parkinson's? And we get the kind of like, get it established before we start talking. And we finally have gotten to where we laugh about it because almost to a person, they will say, oh, but I figured I had it about two years, three years before I was diagnosed. That is so common. And sometimes it's even longer. Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes people suspect they have something, but they don't want to confirm it. Sure. You know? yeah. Yeah. Um, well, let me take another short break, uh, Patsy, and, and uh, reintroduce you. Patsy Ponder Dalton is my guest today on Global News in Social Artistry here on KOPN, your favorite community radio. Well, it's the only community radio station in Columbia, Missouri. Uh, and that's an important point. Uh, a community radio station means it it thrives because of the community. And uh, we have so many local programmers. Uh, we keep the station going 24 hours a day, seven days a week with uh, both local programming and uh, syndicated programming that we pay for. Uh, so uh, that's above and beyond rent and all our local programmers are volunteers, but there are expenses that uh, go along. So we appreciate all the support financially and in every other way uh, you listeners provide for us. Uh, even just speaking a good word or saying, you know, I heard uh, Patsy Ponder Dalton on the radio the other day. You know, that was a cool interview. I didn't know that much about Parkinson's, but, you know, about, you know. so uh, that's that's the purpose of shows like this is to is to inform us, uh, entertain us, uh, help us in some way to uh, make our day better. And uh, in in our case on this show, we're we're always talking to someone who's building a more humane world, which includes you know kindness and uh, care for one another. So my guest today, uh, my sister-in-law Patsy Ponder Dalton, married to my brother David. Uh, Caregiving is not something that just started with my brother David, uh, as I recall. You've you've had a lot of experience in this uh, realm, um, not necessarily by choice. Uh, sometimes it was just there, and you responded. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you enlighten us just a bit on some of that? You don't have to get heavy about it. Just uh, that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we all. Uh, have to think about our lives, especially those of us who are a little bit older, we look back and we think, huh, where did I start this caregiving journey? Mm-hmm. Um, in my case, I had a little sister, I had three little sisters, but one was 12 years younger than me. And I always was the babysitter. <laughs> and I liked it. I enjoyed it. <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. And um, then went on from there. And many of us know that we've had caregiving years when we helped usher our parents maybe out of this world and and maybe we've cared for great grandma or whoever it may be maybe children Mm -hmm. um i think one of the hardest caregiving jobs on earth has got to be caring for a child who has a disability of some sort Mm -hmm. because they don't get to mature in the normal way Mm -hmm. but my experience with caregiving recently Uh, About nine years ago, um, I started a caregiver support, and now we call it caregiver and grief support group at uh, Broadway Christian Church. 
it's a group that's formed for the entire community. It's not just for our church. But we had a meeting yesterday. We, we meet the first Monday of each month and we just sit around a table and we begin talking about, I always go around and make sure everybody knows each other. And um, we outline who we're caregiving for. And sometimes this sounds strange, but sometimes we actually have laughter in the room mm -hmm. because it's a, a way for us to get to know people and to share frustrations. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And uh, then other people will pitch in and say, well, my husband had the same condition. And so I can tell you a shortcut I used for whatever. Yeah. Uh, and so we have really good sessions mm -hmm. and everyone is, you know, everyone's at a different stage. Now about half the group is uh, uh, people who have survived that and, but they've lost their loved one. And then the other half the group are the people who are actively caregiving at this time. Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting to see those people working together mm. because one can say, yes, that's normal. Or that's, you know, that's what I went through. Mm -hmm. And when you have somebody to talk to and compare notes with, mm -hmm. everything seems simpler. Mm -hmm. So uh, we get some new people that yesterday we had three or four who had just joined. So we put them on a mailing list and then they um, get notices and we go, go ahead and do that. Now with the Parkinson's groups, you can figure half of the groups um, when we consider the big support groups, mm -hmm. half of the group is going to be made up of caregivers. Right. So uh, we have special times with the caregivers we have breakout sessions where we go into a separate room and those with Parkinson's go into another room. Mm -hmm. And as you can imagine, everybody vents, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> you got a lot to say. Yeah. And, and sometimes people will say, well, does your husband do this? Or does your mother try to do this or whatever? And then you go, oh, so I'm getting it now. This is not unusual for Parkinson's. It's just that I didn't know Parkinson's that well or something like that. You know, uh, it helps a lot. And sometimes there will be tears in either of these groups, but most often there will be just, it's almost laughter is almost a relief, just a break, you know, because some people have no help at home. And if your loved one is in a wheelchair or on a walker, and you get to the point like with Parkinson's where you don't trust them to be on their own. It's not safe at all. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you can't find anybody to help you or you can't afford to, to hire people. Right. Um, some families make a promise to their loved one. You'll never have to live anywhere, but here, mm -hmm. that's always kind of a dangerous promise to make. And I'm always concerned when I hear that because sometimes it becomes impossible. Uh, it's, Parkinson's is quite often um, also having the, the element of um, dementia. Mm -hmm. And in Parkinson's, there are a couple of kinds of dementia. There's the Parkinson's dementia and there's Lewy body dementia. And many of us have heard about the Lewy body. Mm -hmm. uh, but when you get into those stages, some people will go for quite a while and you won't see much change or anything. Uh, and then other people will they'll just immediately have changes. And so you have to start thinking, what are you going to do? The fortunate family is the one that has, you know, a son or daughter who can help out or 
uh, neighbor. Mm -hmm. But I got to the point with David, I just didn't want to leave him alone because it was too likely that he might fall. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you feel terrible about that. Mm -hmm. Just terrible. So it did come to a point, though, that uh, the two of you decided it would be better for him to move into uh, right. assist, assisted living or what, whatever was later. Well, he, we had, by the time David needed to make that kind of decision, we had been having speakers for years at our Parkinson's meetings uh, from uh, facilities around town. Oh. Mm -hmm. We actually had two levels of speakers. One was the kind of speaker who would come frequently and talk to us about their company, and they were caregiving companies that you'd hire by the hour or, mm -hmm. or day. Mm -hmm. And then the other kind of company were the ones that had caregiving facilities. So they might be assisted living facilities, which is the one you'd normally move into. Mm -hmm. uh, but then you might need to go to a memory unit or you might need to go to a skilled nursing unit. Uh, sometimes you had to be recovering from uh, surgery or something that you'd had at a hospital. And there again, fortunately, Columbia has quite a selection. It's really amazing to me. Uh, so David and I had been, uh, well, we tried not to think about it, to be honest. Yeah. We just kept saying, well, we can make it, we can make it, you know. And then David said he thought it was time. Mm. And I thought, well, that is amazing. Mm. For him to make that decision, I knew he was thinking probably somewhat about his safety, mm -hmm. but he was also thinking about my sanity, I think, mm. uh, because I, I wasn't a weakling or anything like that. And I, I didn't mind having him stay at home. But there were just things happening that were getting scary. Mm -hmm. And so that's when we went ahead and moved out to Lenore. Mm -hmm. And um, we were welcomed and we were cared for. And before long, uh, David was needing to go to skilled nursing. Mm -hmm. So he did that. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's always something that starts happening. You know, um, we had out there we had a lot of friends so we had people we could talk to and all the nurses staff they were so good because they see this happen you know and uh, they know most likely what the end will be but they make it as pleasant as they can make it yeah so, uh, and so it, it about killed me i i think <laughs> when i when i came home and david was out there yeah. i mean it was so much better than having him gone, of course, gone from this earth. But uh, still, to walk into the house and not have him here and know that he's not going to come back. Right. right. And then when he died in, uh, well, it's February 28th. Mm -hmm. um, I, that was the real shock, was just knowing it was over. Mm -hmm. And people say that, I've had several people say to me, surely you have a bit of relief and i think to myself i'd trade that bit of relief anytime to have mm -hmm. his presence yeah. yeah but um i'm a religious person or i try to be and i read everything and i go to church and i see all these people and we have great groups there that uh, form and 
our church just kicked in. I mean, not just for me, but for other people too. They really kick in and help. Mm-hmm. And lots and lots of those people have been through it before. Yeah. So that's well, where I think you got to turn to somebody. You can't just sit sit there by yourself. <laughs> you know. Well, you know, uh, going back a little bit, uh, even David, as a um, having you as a caregiver was also a caregiver to our dad. Yep. Right. Uh, so uh, this is another amazing part of your all's lives. Uh, when you moved back to Columbia, my, our dad had moved back from Texas and uh, after a good while uh, needed to go into assisted living himself. Right. And, uh, that wasn't would... easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I remember first uh, he, when the he finally said, "Well, I don't think I'm going to drive anymore." Yeah. <laughs> After the third accident or whatever it was, and, uh, yeah, yeah, all of these things, these steps of life, where you know things change and we get more limitations, and uh, and yet there were you and David, uh, just right there taking help care with the pills and the doctor's visits, and I was kind of close down in Jeff City, but not like you guys, uh, where uh, it was sort of like, what would we have done if David and Patsy had not been there? You know, that's, uh, yeah. uh, well, we got used to it. And uh, he lived just up the street from us at yeah. College Point. And uh, he was funny sometimes. I mean, he didn't know he was being funny, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was funny. At least you laughed. <laughs> yeah. All you could do was laugh. <laughs> but it was, it was, uh, you know, he, he was a headstrong person. And when he went into uh, care, I think he ended up being there just like four and a half years, mm-hmm. but he was already like 97 or something. Yeah. Yeah. And here he was going in there and he had to set up his little kingdom, you know, and it, and it just worked out great. Cause we found a place that had a couple of rooms, three mm-hmm. rooms. So mm-hmm. he could have his, all of his historical stuff. And he was still writing columns, still writing for Tribune. the Tribune. Right. Well, and you were helping him. You were always helping him with that. And I then was, you were also the editor. Him. Yeah. Oh yeah. Anything like that. And, uh, I mean, he was a busy person really for someone who lived in a care center. Yeah. And uh, people came to visit him and everything. Uh, I might add, uh, since we're on KOPN, that uh, Warren Dalton, uh, our dad, uh, was the guy that uh, actually owned the building uh, where KOPN rented for these last uh, 49 years uh, until dad passed on and then the, the trust sold the building. But uh, he was the landlord, so he had gotten to know... Uh, general manager after general manager and and watched the the place uh and and really understood that uh this was a community radio station and was not out to uh, rip anybody off and it wanted to do the best for everybody as yeah. uh, kind of a tradition in the family in a way i think he was so proud of kopn um uh, it just it was really a bright spot in his life, as far as I could tell, you know, because uh, he felt like he was really providing a bit of community service himself mm-hmm. just by making sure they had a good place, you know. Yeah. Yeah. 
And as as with everything, things change, you know. Mm -hmm. yeah, so. they, they do, and, and some are really good changes. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And some we, we lose our loved ones and mm -hmm. uh, we adapt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, another little thought about David, and, and I guess you, uh, David sang in the choir. Did you sing in the choir as well? Yeah, uh, yeah. especially down at the lake. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, and I remember also at uh, David's uh, funeral service that there was a talk of how he was one of the greeters uh, that would greet people. Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. And, and he, the reason there was talk was because I'd, I'd be on the inside doors and he'd be on the outside doors. And here he was first with a walker mm -hmm. and then later with his wheelchair. And he insisted on being outside. And I mean, I kind of hurt his feelings or made him mad one day because I said, you've just got to come inside. It's getting too cold out there. Yeah. He said, nope, I can do it. I'm going to handle this. So he went out there and he just greeted anybody who came along and people all knew him. Mm -hmm. And it was, I think it was one of the joys of his life. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. He just loved, he, he really didn't like being dependent yeah. on yeah. anybody. Uh, he loved to be independent. But there were so few times he got to be independent, and that was one one of the times. Wonderful. Well, we're gonna we're gonna end on that note, Patsy. Mm -hmm. uh, a happy time. <laughs> right. And uh, and it's it's been an honor, really, to celebrate you on this show. I um, we don't get to talk a whole <laughs> lot, but uh, it, it's just wonderful having you here today. And thank you for all you've done for our family and for Columbia, Missouri, and and so many people uh, with Parkinson's that uh, have benefited from you. So, well, thank you. It's not everybody that has a brother-in-law who has his own radio show, so I just lucked out. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, uh, with that, I'm going to say, uh, friends, remember, wherever you are, that is your world. Please leave your world cleaner, more peaceful, and more loving than you found it, because if it is to be, it is up to us. So take care and talk to you soon.